everybody, this is Steve Perkins, and we are back with the Greenhouse Podcast, which is really for people wanting to grow and live an intentional and fulfilling life. And today we have back on the show, Tommy Thompson with me, and we're going to talk about the three places you can get stuck in life. And so this topic will be fun because I think it can apply to almost anything. But Tommy, welcome back to being on. And it's good to have you, even though not as frequently as we used to, to be on this together again. I know. I miss you, Steve. <laughs> I miss you too. We're looking through Zoom. We're virtually hugging through Zoom right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it doesn't quite work, but that's okay. Yeah. It's good for now. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, as you and I know from all of our years of talking, this concept of, we really think about it as getting unstuck is one that constantly comes up. The other day, I think I was thinking about that and realized that one of the problems with the whole concept of being stuck or getting unstuck is that it's kind of a vague description of something. It, it's something you, we feel the minute you say, you know, I'm, I'm stuck. People immediately know what you're talking about. But it's such a generalized concept that doing anything about it becomes difficult. So that's kind of what got me thinking about this on the front end of the topic. And I, I like that being stuck is broad. And what we're talking about today is fairly simple, but it helps you drill down a bit and say, okay, if I feel stuck or I, I want to get unstuck, I need to get a little more specific and put some definition to that before I can start to find my way out. Right. And so what helped me put a little bit more definition to it was thinking about the process that I go through weekly, many times during a week of trying to write blog posts. So writing is, uh, a, a, gosh, it's such a difficult process to go through. And it's one that's notorious for for people getting stuck uh -huh. in the process that, you know, you have the whole phrase writers immediately get when they talk about writer's block. Well, what is writer's block? Writer's block is I'm stuck in the writing process. But the more you think about it, there are places that we get stuck, really simple places, but they tend to come up regularly in our lives, whether we're trying to talk about breaking a habit, whether we're trying to talk about finishing a project, whether we're talking about a relationship, you know, in all the various places of our life, there are these three, what I call stages of being stuck and understanding those and naming those helps give me a different framework for dealing with this. So the stages are almost embarrassingly simple, <laughs> but they still have been meaningful to me. So the three stages are people tend to get stuck at the beginning of something. They tend to get stuck in the middle of something, or they tend to get stuck in finishing something. And by that, I mean the getting stuck at the start is getting stuck in that first 20% of something. That middle part is about that middle 60%. And then the finishing part is that last 
that goes all the way to the end of, in the case of writing a blog post, pushing the publish button. And depending sometimes on personalities will define where you are most likely to get stuck in something. It's funny. I think as you're saying, the beginning, middle, and end, which you're right, does feel almost embarrassingly too simple. But right away, a flag goes up or you have some kind of resonating with one of those. And right away, one of them or maybe multiple stand out and you know, okay, yep, that's the area I tend to get stuck. Yeah, and hopefully that's the case. Now, I do think that it depends a little bit on the area that you're stuck. You may operate a little bit differently in relationships than with habits or with projects. But I tend to think that for most people, there's one central place that they get stuck. So like I said, for me, or I don't know if I did say this, I don't really have a problem at the beginning. I don't have a problem starting something for the most part. Where I get stuck is in the middle. And then I don't have problems finishing something. But if you think about personalities and how they can come into play in this, there are people who know that they have problems with procrastination, right? Right. Procrastination most often is a problem with being stuck at the beginning, all right? That tends to be a difficult problem for that person who is always dealing with procrastination. And they always are putting things off and they're finding, you know, 10 things to do before they get started on the one thing that they should do. And that becomes the place that they get stuck is just getting started on that hard thing that you need to do. Then you have people on the other end of the spectrum, perhaps the perfectionists, who say, well, how can I push that publish button when I know I could find a better word right here? Or I could craft this sentence just a little bit better. And is this really good enough? You know, how could it be good enough? to push that publish button. And so the perfectionist would rather do one project and spend a month on it to get it to that, what feels like a 100% level, you know, than do six projects at a 90% level. And that begins to be a place that they get stuck. It's a personality thing a lot of times. Well, let's let's kind of click on each one a bit and talk about what that looks like. And I'm I'm especially interested to get into the middle because like you're saying start and end maybe feel a little more obvious or easier to to point out, but the middle one is interesting as well. So, let's kind of start with the beginning intending to get stuck at the beginning of something, like you said, whether it's projects, habits, relationships, really, really any area of life, what does that tend to look like? Well, it looks like I want to do a whole lot of other things. And I find a lot of excuses for not beginning something. 
Sometimes I think the problem with getting started is a problem with how we start a project. So, for instance, there, there are two things that I find happen with me in those times where I have issues with starting something. One is where I have a conflicting motivation going on within me. I don't want to start something because half of me wants to move forward with the project and the other half doesn't want to move forward. So for instance, one of the things that I'm thinking about as I move forward towards writing a book is the whole marketing effort behind this. Well, I am all conflicted about that because so much of me dislikes the whole feel of marketing and self-promotion. And yet, on the other side, I know this is a necessary part of moving forward in the process of writing a book. It becomes so difficult for me to get started because I have these conflicting emotions going on within me. And if you have these conflicting emotions and you don't deal with them and face them and name them, then you're probably going to just reside in stuckness the whole time. Right. Yeah. When someone's tending to get stuck in that beginning stage, it can be because of conflicting emotions. It can be because of fear or just a lack of clarity of what lies ahead in this journey or in this project, et cetera. Right. So on on one side, you have emotions that get in the way. Like you said, fear or conflicting emotions, those become issues. The other one you were kind of leaning right into is inadequate planning. So if we're not prepared to start, then we're probably going to get stuck at that beginning place. So often we want to kind of by nature just dive into something but we haven't thought it through well. So if you think about even something like doing this podcast, at some level, we learned early on when we began doing this that the first part of the process, we had to plan the podcast. We had to at least have a sense of where we were going before we got going, or else it was going to kind of fail at the beginning and we were going to feel very disconnected about starting right at at the beginning. So planning is often, or the lack thereof, is a problem. So if I don't know where I'm going when I begin writing a blog, I'm going to probably have a hard time with it. Yeah. I don't know if this kind of fits into the emotions category, but sometimes it could be overwhelmed at looking at the whole thing. And the one that's coming to mind right now, because we're currently getting all this rain and sunshine. The grass is growing so fast. And these days of quarantine are really odd to figure out the flow of things in the schedule. And I just keep looking out going, man, that the lawn really needs to get mowed. Yeah. But I know it's going to take kind of two hours and there's all these other things that need to happen. And that's kind of a lower priority. So it's the overwhelm of dedicating that much time to it that causes me to get stuck even starting because I'm looking at the size and scope of it all. Well, and that becomes really a factor when it comes to a large project. 
you know, that sense of overwhelm to think that, well, this is going to be something that is going on for months and has layers of complexity. And I haven't gotten my arms around all of that. And that sense of overwhelm, as, as you say, can be a factor in getting stuck at even beginning. They say when you're writing a book, one of the tactics is to simply write the first 500 words. Don't think about the fact that a book is between 50 and 100,000 words. Just write 500 words. And if you keep on writing 500 words, you'll end up with a book eventually. You know, so that's, in a sense, a tactic for dealing with that block of overwhelm that gets us stuck. Right. Yeah. And then you think about the relationships category. And one person comes to mind who I've had this conversation with them because that's an area where I'm good at starting and they struggle with starting. And they said, I don't know, how do you do it? You just, you seem to be in a new place and make a friend right away. I don't know how to do that. And for them, they had the desire. They weren't even necessarily, it wasn't necessarily like a lack of plans. It was just, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. That could kind of happen on in any of the stages, but it was just kind of a, not necessarily emotions or a lack of plan, but just a lack of, I don't even know how I'm not good at that. Well, and I think that brings up a phenomenal point that is applicable across all three of these stages. And that's the value of bringing in someone else who's good at that particular stage. So, you know, the very fact that you were talking with someone, coaching someone, on how to get started, sometimes we're stuck because we don't know how, flat out. So either we have to grind it out and figuring out 100% ourselves, which is enough reason to be stuck by itself, or you find someone who's good at it and immediately get help from them where it's not a struggle for them, but it is a struggle for you. So bringing someone else along to help get us unstuck is a huge tactic, regardless of whether it's stuck in the beginning, middle, or end. Okay, well, we'll definitely come back to that again. So let's move from beginning to middle. What does it look like to be stuck in the middle and some thoughts on how to get unstuck there? There are probably a lot of different issues and ways of dealing with this. And I think I have to probably speak personally for me on this, and it may not apply to everybody. What I find is that I have to step back and I have to create a strategy around the middle because the middle is where things get complicated. The middle is, for me, the grind part of a project or of a writing or of whatever else is going on. And if I don't step back from that feeling of being weighed down in the middle, then I'll just remain stuck. If I step back, then it gives me the chance to take a breath and develop a strategy around it. Yeah, it makes me think about the midlife crisis. And now I know people are talking about quarter life crisis and we could go on a whole tangent about that. And there's real brain research behind it as well. But the point is part of the problem there 
is it's a longer journey. That middle section is really long and you can kind of get disoriented and you can lose track of where you are or where you're going. And that can happen in a long project too. Or funny, we're talking about relationships because those tend to be longer term things where same idea, if you start to get disoriented and lose track of where am I, where am I going, that can lead to some stuckness in the middle stage as well. In most places, the middle is also the place that is the least fun. You think about there's a certain reward at beginning something and there's a certain reward at ending something, maybe not in relationships, but <laughs> you know, there there's rewards on the beginning and the ending, but the middle is plotting. And so how do we keep ourselves motivated and moving in that middle spot is is a difficult issue for a lot of people. It's more fun to move on to something else that you get a sense of reward out of. It's true. Even right now, as we're recording this, kind of feels like maybe the middle section, somewhere in the middle section of the pandemic, quarantine, where we're at. And I've even felt a bit of that lately, where at the beginning, at least there was a lot of needing to reorient, create some plans and rhythms. And there was actually some activity there, some focus. Some hype. Even though, yeah. Some hype. Yeah. yeah. Even though it was chaotic, there was something there. And then when we start to kind of transition out of this, there'll be a lot going on. But right now it feels a little blah and like, okay, I guess we just have to keep going day by day. And it's tough in that sense. Yeah. Another tactic that I've found that I have to use, and I think specifically of the writing process, is I have to block off chunks of time to live and work in the middle. It's not my favorite place when it comes to editing blog posts. It's not my favorite thing to do. I prefer getting started, having a a great idea that I want to share and putting that finishing touch. And I love hitting that publish button, but that middle part's just not particularly fun, you know, along the way. So if I don't block out chunks of time as that's part of my strategy of saying, okay, this is for the next two hours, I'm going to be working on coming to a finishing part of two blog posts or whatever the case is. So I have to exercise discipline in the middle. And that's part of where realizing that that's my weak spot in the whole area of getting stuck, it helps me to name that because now I can go, oh, okay, I know this is where I tend to have difficulty. This is where I need discipline. And then I just plug through it and try to get on to the other fun parts of the day. That's right. And that brings up the point of if you're someone who tends to be good at starting or good at the end, you can kind of step back and look at why are you good at that? Or what elements make you good at that and try to infuse some of that into the middle. So when you talk about the project example, this is really simple, but it works for me. Music kind of helps me get energized. And I know part of why I'm good at the start of things is I have lots of energy and flow of ideas. So in the middle of a project, especially something that's a longer like multi-hour task, I'll often turn on music to kind of bring the energy level back up (laughs) and then maybe even take some breaks and talk to someone else in the midst. And uh, it gets back to your point about 
inviting other people in who may be strong at, at the thing you're weak at. But in this example, it's just bringing anybody in in general helps to kind of infuse some new energy or new ideas and perspectives. Right. Another thing I tend to do is I tend to break it into very small chunks so that I kind of create a mini start, beginning and finish, particularly when you're doing something like writing a book or a major project. If you break it down into 10 parts, then the middle becomes very small within each one of those. And so in any one little chunk of time, you can have the satisfaction of a beginning, middle and end. And so it doesn't feel so bogged down because you went, wow, yes, I accomplished this. I finished this, even though you're in the dead middle of the project. Right. And I mean, it goes back to what you and I have talked about many times on this podcast, where in the middle section, this is the value of weekly rhythms, because that the day, the week, they're natural chunks of time that when you talk about something like a habit that's just lifelong, it gives you that sense of starting and completion um, and reorienting over and over. Yeah. Okay, so anything else on the middle section? Well, I would just encourage anybody who, who feels like that's where they struggle to think specifically about it and to create your own personal strategy around it, even if that involves creating games around it. Realize that it's the dull part of doing anything and figure out how can you make it fun and easier to get through. All right, good. So we've talked about the beginning, the middle. Let's talk about the end and what does that look like to get stuck in the end? Well, the problem with the end is that the very concept of an end to something is subjective. I mean, when have you finished a book? When do you finish a blog post? When, you know, sometimes projects don't fit that because you have a deadline and it has to be presented. But so many things that we do, the end is when we decide it's ended. And so, Therefore, we get stuck because we always know that something could be better and choosing to finish is choosing to do less than 100%. And that goes against all of our grain. So one of my favorite sayings that really throws people for a loop sometime, I I heard it decades ago, might have been Brian Tracy that said it. He said that, any project worth doing is worth doing 80%. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. The first time I heard that, I went, what? That is so weird and it just doesn't feel right. But his point was that if the only projects worth doing are ones that we have to do perfectly, then we're never going to get anything done. And we'll always get stuck trying to get to that elusive 100% which will really cause us to do nothing. And if something's worth doing, it's worth doing really, really well and then moving on. And so I found that 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 statement gave me freedom. It gave me freedom to be excellent without feeling that that meant that I needed to be perfect. And that's there's a big difference between excellence and perfection. And I think perfection is an illusion 
excellence is a very admirable direction to go. Yeah, I think that's a great balance you're striking because you and I are both fans of Seth Godin. And in this vein of writing books, he talks about people who have who have asked him questions about, you know, how'd you write your first book? Oh my gosh. And and his comment was something to the effect of, tell me how many bad books you've written first. And it was the sense that you can't write a great book until you've written some bad ones. You have to try, you have to get into the game and start doing in order to ever be great. And so there's that balance of, it's not that he's okay with subpar. It's not that he's saying, uh, I'm aiming for mediocre. But it's the balanced realization that I am aiming for excellence and realize the, the reality that it takes some stumbling through to get there. Well, and this is where, again, self-awareness is helpful. If you're a person that knows that you are a perfectionist by nature and you can look around your house to figure out whether that's true or not, and probably all sorts of people could tell you that, then you know that it may be helpful for you to push against that perfection and let something go at really, really good. And that's difficult, but when you begin to see how much more you can do and how much more value you can bring if you let something go that's very, very good, then it'll start to reframe all that in your mind. That's so good. And then if you, which you are, I know some people listening know the Enneagram a bit, you're kind of in that one Enneagram one bucket, which would have some perfectionist tendencies. I'm more in the category we like to call 80 percenter. And what we're really good at is being a catalyst to get new things off the ground and almost never seeing them through to the completion. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so then you have the nines, the peacemakers, and they're the ones that generally have a very hard time getting something started. So these things do have a personality aspect to them. And part of this, the whole thought in this very simplistic way of looking at this is that if we name these things, we can begin to have some victory over it. If you know that your person has a difficult time starting it, go ahead and call it out and say, I'm going to have victory over this. I know this is my spot and I'm going to beat it. And figure out your strategies. Same thing with, you know, all of the strategies that I'm trying to develop to figure out how to overcome that middle spot, you know, in something. But we'll all have problems in various places at a start, beginning, or end. So it's good to know. Right. But to your point, if you're not aware of where you tend to get stuck, your chances are pretty slim of getting unstuck, especially with consistency over time. And the thing I love about this idea of having self-awareness and then tapping into other self-awareness where they know they're strong. And I've experienced this so many times. The more I'm aware of where I struggle and tend to get stuck and invite someone else in who's strong in that area to help me, it not only helps me get where I'm trying to go, but it's incredibly fun. And it's fun, but it's also so awesome for that person to be able to use their strength in someone else's gap. 
oh, it's so much better to engage in these things with someone. So it's a massively important strategy, not just for getting stuck. It's certainly a great way of getting unstuck for something, but for all parts of life to, to bring others into our walk, our journey. And so that's so helpful. Yeah, I think it's just reality that we all sometimes question or struggle with our value. You know, what value do I bring to the world? And do I have, do I have any kind of value here? And to have someone else invite you in and say, okay, listen, I, I know I always struggle with ending. Tommy, can you, can you help me with that? I know you're good at that. I mean, that just feels good to see that, oh, I have value to offer and I can, I can jump in and really help someone do something that, that they're struggling with. I think it's important to just think about it as not just our own self-awareness, but a communal thing, because it's it's really important to the success of any of these things, but it's also just good for us as people to see where we can add value and feel that. Well, the more we could come to embrace the truth that one plus one can equal three, the better, because we're all in reality, very limited people limited skills. We may look really good on the outside, but the things we're good at and the things that we're really bad at. And if we insist on doing everything all by ourselves, we are dramatically limiting the impact that we can have. And so by embracing the equation of one plus one equals three or four or five, you know, we get so much more out of life. So I want to maybe throw out, you know, in trying to figure out what do we do with all of this, I can throw out two suggestions for where we go with this. The first is, and it's all around this idea of naming things. So the first suggestion for anybody listening to this is to name a particular decision, a project, or an area of life that you are stuck. And do that in a overt way. Uh, write down even if it's, if it's what it takes. I am stuck blank at this place. It's a way of acknowledging that, no, you're not just muddling, you're stuck. And that's okay. That's really helpful to say, okay, I've got a problem. And acknowledging the problem is the beginning. So the first thing I want to do is to say, for people to identify a particular place that you are stuck or that you regularly get stuck in. The second thing is for each person to identify which of the three places, the start, the middle, the finish, is the place that tends to always get you. Name for yourself you know, I have a problem at the beginning or I'm one that gets stuck in the middle or I have a hard time letting go. Name that. And as you begin to name that as your kind of primary problem area, then that begins to empower you to develop the strategies to get unstuck. All right. This has been a really rich conversation and I am actually going to try some of these steps myself this week. So thanks for coming back on, Tommy. And for anyone who hadn't heard the word yet, 
part of why Tommy's on the Greenhouse podcast less frequently now is A, because he has been finishing up his book that'll come out this year, but also because he launched his own podcast, which I occasionally come on as a guest as well. Basically always. (laughs) (laughs) Basically always right now. And that podcast is called Renovations. So get over there and check that out if you're interested. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.